0: You violated the law.
1: It's the full preview podcast. UFC 273.
0: Here we go. Hey, everyone. This is another uh, preview pod for upcoming UFC main pay-per-view card. This is Dan Albert of the fight site with Fenyo... Uh, whatever his last name is, and we have some special announcements to make. I am very, very sad today, eh, because I get work off tomorrow, but I also have to get up at the same time. Fenyo, on the other hand, is really, really sick, so this is going to be... Very, very sick. This is going to be a shit podcast, because we have sad and sick, the best combination.
1: It's going to be awful, but um, we, we did our homework, so... We tried. Let's hope for the better.
0: We, we tried. There were some guys I think that were a little hard to find, and so I'm hoping Fanyo found footage of some of these people, because I yeah, definitely I, could
1: I saw at least one fight from everyone here, so...
0: So, yeah, um, so we have UFC 273 Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie, whose real name is actually Chan Sung Jung. Imagine that. Um... And so we'll go from the bottom of this card to the top of the card using the topology page. There's been a lot of weird changes to this card since it was made. Um, some of you may remember or us once calling a card Dana White Contender Series the card. I call this How the Fuck Are You in the UFC the card. But anyhow, um, there are some fights worth talking about on here. Some of them might be meme matches, some of them are hilariously mismatched, uh, some of them are pretty interesting once we get closer to the top, so without further ado, uh, I'd say let's go ahead and get started. We have a bantamweight fight between Julio Arce versus Daniel Santos. Now, I couldn't find anything on Santos, I had a hell of a time with that, but I can talk about Julio Arce a bit. So I think my read on Arce is he's pretty well-schooled. Um, you can see that he's good at, like, figuring things out consistently, and once he catches on to a pattern with his opponent, he starts building. Um, especially, so for instance, against Song Dung, or um, uh, Mar- Shaman Morais, for instance, like, you can see that, like, once he gets his lead hand working, he starts being able to draw out counters and keep... E- building upon that it's just eventually if he's against a better striker or loses a lot of space then he gets kind of swiftly wrecked you know so decent decent fighter just some co- cohesive tissue that's kind of missing is my read on him now i can't say anything on santos though
1: yeah i mean arce is like very crafty Salpa. um very clean footwork on open space he's mm-hmm. he's descending the clinch too um very clever with the setup so if he's you give very, him a space to work you can he's see a, he's a problem
0: you can see orsa can kind of do things everywhere it's just like there's not like a greater scheme and like at the start of the fights are kind of rough for him if he can't get going
1: yeah if you if you just let let him like freestyle with the 1 2 he's going to eat you up but um if you stay on his face, I mean you you get it dirty. He's still dangerous because the footwork, as I said, is very good. He always gets like good angles, especially um, behind the
0: jab for sure.
1: yeah, very good with 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 the jab, especially in you op- uh, know one of a very good open stance jabber. so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw of Daniel Wildcat is that he's like your your typical like high guard. Uh, Brazilian pressurer. Um, so he walks behind a, a high guard. Um, he's all right at cutting the cage. He likes to counter. Can counter in combination and put trade with kicks at the end. He's dynamic and powerful, but he has problems uh, with defense. He retreats on a straight line a lot. And I think that plays straight into Arce's strength. I think Arce will figure out the defense of, of Daniel. And, and I don't know. I'm... I'm picking Arce to, to get a second round knockout on this one.
0: Yeah, I, I've not seen Santos, so I'll defer to Fenio on this one, but not a lot to say. Julio Arce is pretty decent, and if you've never checked him out before, he's cool. His fight with Shaman Marias a few years ago is a pretty good fight. A favorite of Ed's, I believe. Um. Okay, so our second fight is women's strawweight. Piero Rodriguez versus Kay Hansen. So I think... One pay-per-view we called Kay Hansen versus Jasmine uh, Judah DeVicious, very ri- very wrong, and I think the thing that we really really got wrong there, or at least what I think was wrong, is um, you can tell Hansen is pretty physical and really tries to muscle her opponents around, but if she meets someone who has like some semblance of like a physical advantage over her, or has like an idea of how to manipulate the center line a little bit better. <laughs> She looks really, really stiff.
1: As yeah, I a- mean, to be fair, to be fair, we we didn't really take into consideration that she was fighting away uh, up a weight class, and she's not especially big as a strawweight. So the other girl was like way bigger than her when it came to fight night. So
0: yeah, like um she's still pretty stiff like in neutral space like i said like um there's no real kicking game there's some attempt at some like feelers to kind of like i saw her throw some throwaway like straights and lefts but like there's there's not really um a lot of cohesive tissue she kind of looks like she's just a work in progress at the moment but you can see some of the aggression is there
1: yeah for sure um so um piera rodriguez um She's, like, low output pressure, likes to counter. Um, she had decent counters in the first layer with both hands. She has a check hook. He has a cross counter with the right hand. And she also, like, times reactive tapedowns. But the entries are not very good. Um, I think it's a problem for her that she's so willing to grapple. I don't know if she, she will be so willing to grapple with Hansen. Hansen is... I mean, as as we said, she's very physical, but um, she has, like, legit skills on the ground. Mm-hmm. She's very resourceful, I is the word I would say, I, I would use. Um, she's very good at transitions and scrambles. And, and she's getting better on the feet. Like, she was doing okay stuff in her last fight, but um, the size was really a problem. That shouldn't be... Uh, a problem for her in this fight. Uh, Rodriguez is dangerous. He, she hits hard, yep. but she's too low output, and, and I don't know. The the wrestling is not very clean from her part. I think if Hansen like puts, on... Hansen might have to survive some scares early because Rodriguez is sharp out of gate. But if Hansen can put on the pressure and start ta- getting takedowns, I think it's her fight to lose.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really have much else to add about Rodriguez. The only thing I will say is, as a striker, she throws herself kind of um, out of position a little bit or keeps her feet a little too stationary, that you can see her getting drawn into counters pretty easily. Um, but kind of, there, I, I can't really tell if there's a clean advantage like she has over Hanson, and it kind of looks like there is maybe a slight experience difference um
1: yeah she's the more comfortable striker for sure of
0: the yeah two. so it, it kind of feels like this this will probably be a Hanson decision if she can't get a submission on the ground
1: yeah yeah no i, um, I don't really am think... siding with you
0: hansen, hansen doesn't seem like a submission threat so i'll say decision
1: yeah decision right. is fine okay um moving on to um, middleweight is Anthony we had a lot of changes
0: we had a lot of changes to this
1: yeah, <laughs> this this fight saw so, so many incarnations, but w- what we have <laughs> till this moment is Anthony Fluffy Fernandez versus Josh Fremd, uh, Fremd is the newcomer here, um, he's a syndicate MMA I think, he's well-rounded, um, he tries to fight long behind a jab and a low kick, uh, but his problem is that he ends in the clinch a lot, it doesn't help that uh, he throws like a million flying knees every fight. And and I mean he's well rounded, he's big um so so he can be dangerous. uh his biggest problem is that he doesn't move his head at all. He likes backs up on frames all the time. um Hernandez uh also not very good defensively. um he can get tagged with same time counters all the time, but he's like a a base fighter. He's very dangerous on the inside. Um, he's not the kind of guy that will catch you with, like, a long one-two and an overhand in open space. But if he gets very close, um, the hooks are very heavy. And he's also, like, has the cardio and toughness, and he's a very savvy grappler. I mean, this is a guy that has <laughs> that submitted in his last fight, Rodolfo Vieira. I mean, Vieira was super tired, but that still... Take skills yeah, and he survived some early scares
0: yeah it's um I, i've only seen one fight respectively from each of these guys hernandez's was vera um and the thing is like um that's a big deal that kind of shows his grappling accolades right there on the feet i couldn't really get a read on him but i know like a big reason he stayed in vera's face was because that was tiring vera out but if it's precedential then he's a little too flurry happy he, and that could draw him into some counters, but you can tell he's aggressive and willing. Uh, Fremd, I've only seen, like, a short fight, and it immediately started with him getting cracked by a 1-2 who off of his jab. Like, like I don't really have a great read on Fremd that much with lim- limited data, but, like, my, my guess is that he's kind of decent in terms of, like, okay, I need to pressure you, like, the overall, like, here's wh- what I need to be doing but doesn't have the mechanics to really back it up yet. But he seems strong enough and decent enough as a hitter to like really compensate for that. So I think that just because there's a kind of an experience gap here and that Frem's kind of the last-minute replacement, the odds are kind of stacked against him, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, Frem has one more fight, but uh, Hernandez has been fighting the higher level of competition for sure. Um, both guys are the same age, too. Um I think Frem will look like the cleaner fire on the outside, but if uh, Hernandez gets some pressure going, I get the feeling like Frem is going to fall apart. I'm mm-hmm. picking Hernandez by submission on round three on this one.
0: All right, I'll take submission as well. Oh, uh, I, I don't know what round, but who cares. Um, heavyweight, say Olenek versus Jared Vandera. I'm, my notes for this are... Okay, so how old is... Oleinik and did Vandera pass the Orlovsky task no but he got a split okay so maybe there's some hope here uh otherwise I have barely watched any of Vandera and I've the only Oleinik fight I watched was his banger with Derek Lewis which you wouldn't necessarily say about a Derek Lewis fight but um <laughs> I it, it, this is weird because Oleinik is very experienced and like Knows what he's good at, whereas Vandera seems like a guy who's just kind of like concedes to what the fight is. So I don't, I don't really know, and I also don't care.
1: Um, I think what's what's promising for Vandera is that um, he he looked uh, early on he looked very decent defending takedowns from Alexander Romanov, who is fucking huge and, mm-hmm. and one of the few guys that can actually wrestle in the division. Uh, and he was also, like, outstriking him. So if he has to play, like, the striker versus the grappler, he has shown some ability to do that. He also want to... The o- the other thing is that he want to fight against Justin Taffa. In... He was, like, rock-and-sock-and-robots. And, and, robots. Um, and not, not everybody wins that fight against Taffa because he hits super hard and he's, like, a relaxed, experienced striker. Um, olinik, on the other hand, um can always surprise because he's so fucking weird. He's very janky on the feet, um has very long arms, throws the ugliest punches of all time, but they are very heavy, so you gotta watch out for that and when it comes to the ground, like you know olinik has like a million tricks to catch you
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but I think uh I think olinik is like super old he's he has been looking. Worse lately, and and Vandera looked like a functional fighter again. I mean, Arlovski is like the the test for functional fighter. Uh, Vandera didn't pass, but at least he was uh, getting better as the fight went on. He started figuring out some stuff and starting putting uh, pushing the pace a little bit. So I think that that will be enough for this one. I'm not sure. Not sure if Bandera will be, like, a factor in the division, really, moving forwards, but at this point, I think Olynyk is short enough that he will win this fight, um, Mm -hmm. picking Bandera by decision.
0: Yeah, I I don't really have enough of a read to competently argue or, you know, um, agree or disagree on here, so I'll just concede and defer to this. Although Vandera pissed me off, so never mind. I'll take a by submission. <laughs> um. Okay. So next one is a uh, maybe, possibly kind of interesting. Uh. Not. Not really. So uh, Mickey Gall uh, is fighting a guy named Mike Malott. I had a hell of a time finding anything from Malott Um. Um. Of recent, but his record. Yeah, Malott's,
1: Mickey... Malott's very weird because he used to fight like like seven years ago. Then he disappeared, and now he's fighting again. So,
0: so the thing, thing about Malad is, I did watch his loss to Hakim Duado, and I've seen enough of Mickey Gall to say this, um, so Gall's whole thing is, I've seen Gall progress on the feet that he can find openings, especially when he gets his jab going, but then, uh, I noticed things like, oh, you <laughs> don't take your head off the center line, and you s- but you do see some process with adjustments going on with Gaul when things don't go his way. Like, he'll start mixing in blitzes and the level changes behind his strikes, some transitional. Well, even if it's, like, really bare bones. And that really helped, like, turn the tide around in his previous bout when after he got dropped. Um, so, that's some promising things about Gaul that he's not going to go far, but you can tell he has some process going for him and is trying. Um, Mike Malott, I've only seen his loss to Duadu, and only seen his record, and he seems, based upon the record, either a finisher or he probably gets finished, but the thing about Malott is he looks very aggressive, and my, my main question was, okay, so does he take his head off the center line? And the answer was, sort of? Okay, can he grapple? And then I saw the subs on his record, and I was like, oh, okay, that's why this matchup was made. And so that... Yeah, it's-
1: It's a bit of a mirror match, really. It's like both are like lanky, powerful guys that do not have the best process on the feet. And both guys are very dangerous from top position.
0: Yeah. So I've basically decided by default that uh, I'll take Mike Malad, just because it's funnier. And his head is slightly off the center line a little more. And evidently, by his record, he can crack hard. And I've seen Gall kind of set down a bit. But... I can see Gaul perhaps figuring him out if it turns out Mulat is just a hard starter and doesn't have much beyond that.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean Gaul for once is going to have like experience advantage in here, especially when it comes to to quality of opposition. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I'm citing Gaul here by decision, but really either guy could get like a submission or a knockout. But it's really a mirror match, but I'm going Gaul because of the experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll, I changed my mind. I'll take Gall just to be right, but I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> um, all right, women's uh, bantamweight. Aspen Ladd versus Raquel Pennington. You know, when I watched these two on the feet, my immediate thought was, okay, A, a Pennington is a um, better idea of what she's doing on the feet. She does some of those, like, what I call, like, weird bunny run blitzes to the clinch and kind of, like, has a decently stiff jab. She, you can tell, like, he she likes to stiff-arm her opponents to put them in place oh. and set them up for strikes, but you oh. see some process, like, getting opponents to the cage, somewhat aggressive, and I was like, oh, okay. So, then I saw Aspen Ladd, and the only way I can describe Aspen Ladd's stand-up is she looks like BJ Penn's upright form, but <laughs> like from, like, eight years ago. Oh, and, um my my immediate message to Fenya was what the hell am I looking at because I literally don't know what the hell she's doing and I'm going to let him talk about the DeMont fight because apparently he saw that and no one else did and apparently it was really bad for her
1: um, yeah so she was trying very bad entries to the clinch and Dumont was out positioning her and then she was getting out on the feet, so it was basically that. Baspin um, lad, that like her thing is like she ends up in the clinch and she's very strong. And if she gets top position, she has good control and ground pound. Other than that, she's she's one of the most physical g- girls in the division, but but she's not very skilled on the fit. She has some ideas, but uh, the mechanics are not there. She can still crack, even though her mechanics are so bad. Uh, Pennington, on the other hand, is one of the few fighters that are, like, way better, like, in the pocket That uh, a distance. Like, a distance, she she looks kind of lost sometimes. Like, she doesn't know how to cut the cage, really. So she just pushes forward and blitzes. But once she gets to the clinch or gets into a, a phone boot fight... She's actually pretty decent, mm-hmm. can move her head, uh, up body shots a lot, uh, a lot of attrition work to the legs and to the body. And she has good transitions from clinch to the pocket and pocket to the clinch. And that will be trouble for lad because she ends up in the clinch a lot. And even though she's very strong, she's not very, very resourceful uh, there. She was getting outstruck in the clinch by Yana by Kuniskaya. Uh uh, Ladd does have uh, okay takedowns in the clinch, and Pennington is has been taken down before, but Pennington is uh, it's very decent at uh, wall-walking, um, for example, in the fight against Misha Tate. And Aspen Ladd always gets takedowns against defense, so I think uh, Lad uh, probably beats most of the years in the division just because uh, she's strong and has like a winning condition when she gets to the top. But I think Pennington is one of the few like bad matchups for her. Mm-hmm. She's going to get uh, she will be outgunned in the clinch and in the pocket yep. and that's where she spends most of the fight.
0: All right. Uh does she get finished or do you think she goes to the decision?
1: Nah, Pennington wins a decision in my I book.
0: Agree. I don't think Pennington's much of a finisher. So yeah, I was going to take decision. I
1: mean she did finish uh Andrade. <laughs> but
0: yeah, yeah. So moving on heavyweights again I want you to lead off on this one cuz it'll be funnier
1: <laughs> okay so we're moving up to heavyweight is jay senior Stroke versus Martian tibura and so yeah it's it's what a contrast these both both <laughs> these guys like so tibura is like all jank like with the removal
0: he, of Ben Rothwell from the division, Tabor is now the jankiest man in the division. Yeah, he's
1: the king. He's the king of jank. Especially because he also beat Rothwell, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, Tibor Rothwell, too. Like, God, we should have recorded that. What a great great jank
1: war. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the thing with Tabor with is that he's like... He's like... I mean, we said that like a million times already, but he's super janky. But he's also like high output um he has like a decent process he can jab Um, he has like very weird defense like he shells and tries to shoulder roll (laughs) but it kind of works it's like (laughs) it's so weird i mean it shouldn't work but it does
0: (laughs) it's weird because you'll see him like throw out parries he'll do a really static hard guard but just like going side to side the other guys somehow miss He'll time counters decently, but then he'll just randomly have, like, an error, error error.exe, and malfunction into these weird blitzes across his feet as he folds his (laughs) hip at the same time, and then, like, you're you're like, okay, what is going on here? And on
1: top of that, he has, like, karate kicks,
0: so... (laughs) (laughs) It, it, and so he's very it, weird. So not only that, but he also has some of the stranger comebacks where just like, oh, he gets his ass kicked on the feet despite having a better process. And then all of a sudden he'll take them down and just grapple them to a, to a decision yeah, but, to finish.
1: Not, not a great wrestler, but very good grappler. From top position, he's... Is- it's pretty much game over for most guys if yeah, Tibura he, gets the position.
0: And he has like weirdly great cardio too. Like um
1: very any... very good cardio, yeah. I mean the raw the problem...
0: fight for instance like insane volume from both guys, but it's also just like you can tell with how much Ra- Tibura puts out at the end like he's a... Yeah,
1: the thing that I think that really hurts Tibura like in the third round is that um He's so janky that he likes pop, so uh-huh. so sometimes yep. he needs to turn a fight around and he's winning, but he's not winning by by that much yeah um on the other hand is like polar opposite of Tabura. like while Tabura is all jank and high output uh Roysonroy is like like very conservative, super low output, he almost exclusively counters all the time he sometimes turn turns counters into little blitzes. But the thing with Rosenstruck is that I don't know what his left hand is made out of, but he fucking kills people with that thing. <laughs> like-
0: I don't, I don't, the only thing I can think of is that Rosenstruck is some alternative multiverse version of Derek Lewis who ended up in the same division. Because <laughs> it's like, you'll see Rosenstruck throw like the worst gazelle jab I've ever seen but it somehow works and, like, making them back off enough. So even a more trained striker is like, oh, God, that thing is dangerous. And I have no idea how he does it, but at the very least he has, like, some decent idea of timing. So when guys come in, like, he'll crack them really, really hard and they're like, oh, to hell with that. But otherwise, otherwise, like, he operates on kind of a really similar modus operandi as, like, Derek Lewis does.
1: So I... Yeah, the thing we... The thing with Jairinho is that uh, it, I, I feel like guys realize very early on that oh my god this this guy can hit for real and, and fights end up end up boring because Royce and only, only wants to counter but people are super afraid of leaving against him. Uh, the thing is that Tiberia wa- I don't think he's going to be afraid of leaving. So, so yeah. I mean, this is two outcomes. I mean, if it goes long, I think Tabora is going to take over because the volume is going to be too much, and maybe even he can get takedowns down the line. It's um,
0: also one other thing. It's also possible that Tabora, being so weird with all the feints, overwhelms Rosenstruck's counters, so he doesn't know when to time. But I mean, given how defensively porous Tabora can be, it's also just. Like the dude probably just gets finished randomly, so who knows how to call this? Yeah, even
1: even if he survives, like Roystonstroke only needs like two big moments in two different rounds to win the fight because that's how hard he hits. And as I said, Tabura is not the best at raking up damage, so <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I mean it's an interesting fight. Um, I think Tabura is one of the few guys that can get out a a decent fight out of Roystonstroke. Uh, mm-hmm. That it's not like a super early KO. I'm still going with Stroke by knockout round one. What about you, Dan? I mean, you're right,
0: but I also <laughs> oh, like Tabora. I like weird jank fighters, and he's by far the most entertaining heavyweight. That is not Stipe and Miocic. And with the re- and I think in honor of Ben Rothwell's removal, I have to pick Tabora by decision. <laughs> and to keep the Jank ink tour alive.
1: I like it. I like it.
0: (laughs) We're so done. Um, Welterweight, Ian Gary, prospect from Ireland, um, is fighting Darian Weeks. Um, So Ian Gary is kind of considered like that Irish prospect that people want to be excited about. Fenyo, I think you said it best last time. He is not ready for the UFC yet. Uh, He shows like some talent behind like his transitions and grappling. But why was his fight last time really indicative that he is super not ready for the UFC?
1: I mean, it I mean, I like Jordan Williams, but he's not UFC level. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. Uh, he was beating the shit out of Gary before the knockout.
0: <laughs> yeah, G- uh, Gary's Gary's defense on the feet. I'm just gonna say, it's like very bad. No. I mean... It's pretty bad. It's I mean um, if your if your
1: entry is bad enough, he can do like the take an angle and hit uh, the straight right karate thing thing other than that. I cannot other than you, that he's there for the take. I
0: cannot tell you just how many times I saw Gary just randomly reset his feet and how long it took him to get back into stance.
1: And I mean, then he I got mean, he's, again. He's super young and he should be getting better because he's training at Sanford MMA, so you never know. True. But and he's talented like he has i think he oh, understands he understands what he has to do but uh, he doesn't he doesn't have the technique or the experience to put it together yet uh, maybe this fight he shows up a better version you never know yeah um, because
0: speaking of experience it's kind of of reason i think this is low-key a really tough fight for him cuz although darian weeks records is 5 and 1 that dude has 18 amateur fights on his record as well
1: I think I think he has a few boxing like amateur fights yeah. too. And that so.
0: and this dude also is coming off of a competitive fight with Brian Barbarina, who is still like what a mid tier fighter at weight which is still worth talking about. Um, yeah, for sure. And against Barbarina, like Weeks um, didn't look like he he was like a killer or anything, but he showed like way more than gary has ever shown on the feet a lot of range finders reactive if counters you can back weeks to the fence but you have to put a lot of volume on him and i mean Barbarina puts out an insane amount of volume if you can force it out weeks
1: weeks is dangerous in the pocket like yes he he throw (laughs) bumps
0: yeah like um very lots of little tempo changes behind like throwaways even when he gets his back to the fence like He's like in, he's like reverse woodley in that like oh if you put him there he'll actually throw more <laughs> or little throwaways just to like make even someone like barbarina back off so it's like
1: uh the other thing is that weeks has like very very decent timing on entries to yes. to get to the clinch and and like he doesn't finish the takedowns out in open space but the thing that he has going for him is that he can actually finish takedowns in the clinch so so, it would be interesting to see. I mean, I expect Gary to be a, a decent grappler, but it would be interesting to see how he looks from his back. Uh, out in open space, uh, Weeks has a very, very distinct, like, reach disadvantage. So, Gary might get to do his thing of throwing, like, uh, of angling out and throwing the, the rear straight. Gary, uh, Gary for
0: all intents and purposes, can show that, like, he can crack. But... Yeah. Yeah it's um this fight I think was made kind of to help Gary like move her along but it might end up being a bit too much too soon
1: yeah it's it's a tough one I think weeks has the better process and he's and, and they are similar level of, of athletes both guys are very athletic mm-hmm. um, the only thing that that worries me about weeks is that he might struggle with Gary's length. And if he doesn't push forward like with any kind of like intelligent pressure, Gary might get to do his thing against him.
0: Hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take weeks by decision because maybe it turns out Gary mm-hmm. is durable enough to survive some moments, but his kind of inexperience kind of gets himself in some trouble here. Um, but hey, for all we know, he might put on a decent showing.
1: Yeah, I think Wix, uh, by decision, is, like, the smartest choice. mm mm-hmm. um, I'm taking the risk with a Garena knockout.
0: Okay. All right, so the, the the next fight in the card, we're entering the main card now, is a lightweight. But I want to take a moment to give you a quick scenario. So, I want you to imagine Don Fry, I uh, <laughs> basically, is now a lot more thinner. And Don Fry enters the gym... He is told that he needs to take inspiration from, from Carlos Condit and Yoel Romero. Oh, oh, and so he decides to rename himself Vince Vince Pichel, and who is a lightweight at four, who is 39 years old. And I first watched this dude yesterday, and I think I'm in love with him. Um, Vince Pichel is a very janky fighter who is somehow, you start watching in his last fight against a, a guy named Hubbard, and you're like, whoa, he gets backed up to the fence really quickly. That's kind of problematic. Why is he switching so much? Okay, so now he's jabbing. Wait, the jab is working. Oh, the throwaways are now working. He is switching with the hand fighting, and now Hubbard looks flummoxed. And now the jab is landing whenever it wants, and... Um, he is pairing everything Hubbard throws. What the fuck is going on? Oh, random knee there. And now he's on the forward momentum. Oh, there's a hand trap. And now he's doing some weird blitz forward. What the fuck is he doing and how is it working? That is the mental process. I am not joking for watching Vince Pichel.
1: Yeah, Vince Pichel is one of the weirdest like veterans in the lightweight division. And he's actually very good. I don't know why but <laughs> we, don't,
0: we don't know The The only way I can think of it is The dude has some ridiculous Yoel Romero sense of tempo Except he has like Carlos Condit Pace and opportunism a jank And Jack to- <laughs> So it's like the weird love child of those Two fighters together you know and, and that makes him super fun To watch because it's like You see a lot of the like weird things Condit Has as problems like you'll see him give up his back repeatedly. And that gives a route for wrestlers. But you'll also see him like weird, like step in, like blitzes off to the side. Right? But yet, every time he finds something that works, he will exploit it again and again and again. Yeah.
1: And he's very strong, too. <laughs>
0: yep. He's strong. He's opportunistic. He definitely has an insane eye for detail and just a ridiculous gas tank at that. And he's,
1: yeah, he starts looking tired very early, but it doesn't matter because he keeps fighting to the end. Um, Matson on the other side, uh, very, very high level wrestler from Denmark. Uh, That's very weird because Denmark's not usually... He is called the
0: Olympian.
1: (laughs) And the thing is that Matson as like, as a pure wrestler, he's very dangerous, has a very very large arsenal of takedowns. He's very suffocating from top position. And I think they made this fight because the the only the only loss Pichel has in the last few years is against Gillespie. So they're I, I guess they are trying to replicate that with Madsen or because I, I'm not sure the UFC is too happy about Pichel beating like young people all the time. Uh, Matson not, not young, but, uh, he's like a newcomer to the division. He's coming off of a split decision against Clay Guida. And I think that gives us some insight. Uh, Pichel for sure, not the level of wrestler that Guida is, mm-hmm. but he's very strong and has good takedown defense. The thing that Matson uh, doesn't have that Gillespie does is the insane pace, you know, mm-hmm. um, Gillespie might not be, uh, as technical as a wrestler as, as Madsen is, but, um, he, uh, Gillespie is the kind of guy that just can't chain takedowns for a whole round and he'll be fresh the next round. And Madsen, uh, has the ability to chain takedowns and be very dangerous but I'm not sure the gas tank is going to hold up against a strong guy that is also going to be hitting him every time the they square up in the middle of the octagon.
0: Yeah, Madsen, you can kind of tell he's more of like one of those wrestlers who like really threatens you with his power and physicality, but it's kind of very one shot at a time. And um, then it's like, okay, the moment we enter the clinch, I'm going to really try to impose my physicality upon you. <laughs> But, like, you kind of can tell, and he's decent enough on the front foot. Like, I saw him apply some front kicks and some collar-tight clinches to really force no, he has, people has he has
1: good ideas on the feet for sure. Yes. He's athletic despite yeah. his age. On the, ba-
0: on the back foot in neutral space, though, he looks a little lacking, and that's kind of the big scare for him here, I think. Because if Pichelle is able to play with rhythm at all or starts playing with rhythm, then M- Madsen might be in trouble. But Madsen, um, because Pichél does give opponents a lot of moments with his back for like weird Granby rolls or scrambles, that does give Madsen kind of his end here. So it's it's kind of a weird fight to call, and it might. Yeah, get- I think Madsen
1: Madsen's going going to be dangerous early because he will get a takedown for sure in the first round, and he has like a monster arm triangle. So so,
0: but if Madsen can't get takedowns consistently, then this is going to be a really really yeah. I mean, fight I mean,
1: Madsen Madsen fell apart against Howard in the third round. That fight should should have been a draw because Howard pretty much like 10-8 him in the in the third round. And, and Pichell, as as we saw in his fight against Howard, uh, can do a lot of the same stuff, but he, I would say he's more damaging than Howard is. So if Madsen Tires, he's probably in trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Michelle really likes the knees, especially when guys start standing still, Well, off the tempo change. So it, it's going to be, I, I think, kind of a battle against time for Madsen here. So if he can't get control or can't like finish this early, it's going to be a really long fight for him. And I'm, a, I'm not exactly um, convinced Madsen kind of has the experience yet, but. I know Pichel gives a lot of moments, despite that. So it, it is a weird fight to call.
1: Yeah, I think I think grappling-wise, uh, Matson uh, from top position is worse for Pichel than Gillespie is because Gillespie is very content to let you like reset and and going for takedowns again, uh, making making you believe you're going to get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pichel is actually very decent playing that game. I mean, obviously he couldn't get uh, Gillespie off him. But he was defending and moving all the time. Um, Madsen, it's a lot more, more focused on getting, like, rights and a very suffocating half guard. And maybe he can get, like, Pichel, like, flat on his back and neutralize him that way. Um, I, I'm still picking Pichel by decision, but Matson is very dangerous already. Right.
0: On. Yep, for sure. I will take Pichel as well out of greater bias and because he's cool as shit. But uh, I'd say this fight is can't miss just because Pichelle is so weird. But also, it's just it's probably going to be a really fun fight either way. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so next fight is uh, women's strawweight. Mackenzie Dern is taking on Tisha Torres, and um, I am convinced Tisha Torres is going to beat the fuck out of her.
1: Yeah, it seems like a like a pretty bad matchup. I mean, uh, Dern uh, is probably the, the biggest puncher of the two, mm-hmm. but Torres is... She's crafty, she's hard to, to connect clean against, and she's very hard to take down because she's super short and very, very strong for the division. One Torres, of the strongest girls in the division. And if you need proof of that,
0: just watch her fight with Jessica and Draj. Like, nobody out-physicals Draj, but Torres made it
1: competitive. <laughs> yeah and that kind of says a lot mm-hmm. uh, uh also also the fight with with Zhang Wei Li was very competitive early on and and we all know Wei Li is a monster too mm-hmm. uh they're Dern, very athletic herself but he's super janky on the feet mm-hmm. and the the footwork is not great so right.
0: she's willfully aggressive and powerful and like Willing to make some unorthodox scrambles that kind of caught Marina Rodriguez off guard, but it's kind of like on the feet, she doesn't exactly know what she's entirely doing until she finds that moment that eureka moment.
1: But which I mean, if you if you send if you stand right in front of Dern, she can like jab and set up the big right hands, she's she's not bad doing that. The problem is that Torres is going to be moving side to side the whole fight, and I think that's really going to annoy Dern in this fight.
0: Yep. And, like, e- even then, although Dern is a Patenton grappler, um, I, Torres has shown that she's a decently strong wrestler and capable on the ground enough that it's, yes, like... Yes, for sure. It's probably not going to be game over if she... G- it's down there with Dern, so...
1: I mean, Dern still has a shot, because if yes. Torres, like, like just misses, like, a sidekick and Dern ends up on her back, Dern is probably the most dangerous grappler in the division. <laughs> yeah. But, but still, um... Other than, than a shancy thing, uh, Torres seems to be, like, a very bad matchup for her. Yeah, I
0: think, I, I think like, uh, if Torres doesn't, like, kind of tag her a lot, then she'll probably out-volume her pretty consistently for a clean yeah. win.
1: Yeah, I'm going Torres by decision in this one. Same. So, yep, that,
0: that's the whole card um, for the most part. Now we can finally talk about the interesting stuff, I guess. Um... Walter Waite, Gilbert Burns is taking on Kamzat Chimayev. Um so what did we learn about Kamzat Chimayev last fight Fenyo?
1: Um I mean, we don't we don't know a lot about Chimaev against high level opposition. Exactly. If anything? Exactly. That's the that's the thing. I mean, we all know Chimaev, very strong, he's fast, uh, incredible takedowns in open space. Um for all we know, very solid position. Um, has uh, he's resourceful? He has like he can ha- he has rights. He has uh, a strong uh, half guard. He has passes and very good taking the back too. So all, all things considered, like a very a very solid grappler. Um, obviously, he has pop on his hands. And the the knockout against Miercure. But mm-hmm. other than that, we don't know how well so, put together he is against elite opposition. So,
0: Shemayev, here's here's what I'll say. I think, obviously, like, I think the book is out there and kind of, like, oh, this guy is a very fast starter. He doesn't have the most amazing entries because he shoots very low. But how he crafts those entries are pretty creative because he's always distraction and then execution. Like, he'll throw a high kick to grab your attention and then he immediately shoots. Yeah. And then... Oh, if you throw it to him, he's like, okay, immediately I can get a takedown off that. But you know, he, he knows what his strengths are. Like, hey, I want to pit you against the fence, keep you there, really impose my power and strength on you, and immediately, like, gets there or, like, tries to hit you really, really hard with it. And uh, wh- one of his fights before the UFC, like, when he couldn't immediately get, like, the tank down, like, he showed some craft on the feet, like, fainting and drawing throwaways and had, a, like, a good, like, inside slip uppercut. Uh, yeah, so,
1: we we all seen that gif.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's like you can tell that Chmayev is talented, but once again with every prospect the question is like like okay, so what happens when plan A doesn't work? What happens when they face adversity and what happens when um it goes past the point where well, it's already gone cuz th- those are a lot of things and Chmayev hasn't really gotten past like what, 8 minutes in all of his fights. So, those are always going to be the questions for him until we see it. Now, Gilbert Burns, um, I think, has kind of proven over the years to be one of the low-key, like, spoilers or underrated fighters of the division. So, I think we ought to start this by talking about how Burns works and then ask, like, what can he offer Shemaev here, and do we think he can execute?
1: Um, So, yeah, um, assuming, like, Shemaev doesn't, like, knock out Burns, like, immediately (laughs) Um, the thing that Burns like people overlook here is that Burns will be by far the best wrestler Shimaev has faced in MMA and I'm not saying like jiu-jitsu I'm I'm saying straight up wrestling, Burns is pretty solid I mean those years working with Usman are not in vain Uh, so it would be interesting and once and and then again if it gets to the ground Burns is Burns is mostly a top position guy, but he's very, very good at creating uh, scrambles from his back. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Usman didn't want to get into that business early on in their fight, so that should tell you something. And at the same time, Burns on the feet, very functional, um, has the inside low kicks, has the left hook, and huge right hand. So so yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, so- this... I mean, if this doesn't end, like, super early, this should give us a lot of answers about Chimayev.
0: Yes, Burns, the thing, I'll add to that, the thing that really has shown about Burns the last few years is that more than really, I'd say, almost anyone, if not anyone, in the top five at welterweight, is that Burns really likes to show that not only is he a fast starter but he has started allocating his approach towards some of his opponents strategically. So it's like, whereas other Woodley opponents... Woodley has all of his weaknesses, but Burns is the only guy who basically told Woodley, okay, you can only throw with your right, and every time you do that, I'm going to punish you for it. Whereas everyone else just took away the right hand and and didn't let him use it ever. Burns let him use it and then punished him every time. Um, Usman, Usman want, he tried to make Usman lead... Eden, start punishing the jab, immediately drops him, disguises behind a plethora of feints between punches, level changes, and kicks. It's, he really, um, where, where Usman got to him was that Gilbert can kind of be a little too reactive because cause he kind of waits on you to sometimes work first. And if you play with rhythm enough like Usman did behind the jab, you can exploit that Burns isn't the most active jabber himself. And once Usman kind of got a beat on that, he was really able to take control. Um, Wonder Boy, Boy I think, kind of was a surprise because I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Wonder Boy wants you to chase. So Burns, like, basically faints with him at distance. But every time Wonder Boy striked or fainted or took a step, he met it with a faint or step of his own, own. Or didn't really concede easy space. And the moment he could, he mixed him in with level changes into the wrestling. To cause Wonder Boy to lose his feet and get pinned against the fence, but even then, if he did start getting attacked, like he fired back, but not too recklessly, like he always played like a decent game enough against Wonder Boy, where he'd never chased him. So, yeah, and I think that was a good like strategical effort, even if it wasn't the most exciting, because Wonder Boy is kind of tricky if you are not as good on the feet as him. So, Burns is, Burns is kind of aging, and he doesn't have the best chin. But he's definitely one of the better fighters at this division in terms of like skill sets. I'd say.
1: So- yeah, I mean it's no it's no secret that I don't like Shimaev but if he beats Burns in any in any convincing way, I, I'll say no problem. Shimayev is one of the best guys in the division because no one does that to Burns. Uh, yeah, so Us- we'll see.
0: Usman didn't. Usman definitely didn't.
1: Usman I me. Mean, Usman. Usman saw a lot of. A lot of scares <laughs> to mm-hmm. to beat Burns, and a lot so, of people uh,
0: would. That's the thing about Burns; like he's a lot scarier than I think a lot of people give him credit for. But it it's still like Shmaev has a decent enough sense of timing. I think some people um think Burns will get out physical, and we do have to account for Chamayev being freaking huge.
1: Yeah, he's so. enormous for the weight class, and Burns a former lightweight. So
0: yeah, so. This one's tricky to call because, like, um, how does Burns kind of approach this, I think, is, like, Burns is going to offer threats in the wrestling and on the ground that are probably enough to maybe fend off Chemaev. But on the feet, like, he's probably going to start hard. But um, because everyone knows with Chemaev, it's like, okay, I'm going to look for that shot at shots and create setups at the distance. How does Burns meet that? Maybe he plays in more of a neutral space on the back foot and waits for Chimaev to come in and start first and then time him with, like, what, uppercuts or knees, whatever. Who knows?
1: Uh, That's the thing. We we don't know. Yeah, we don't. If Chimayev beats Burns, I have no problem um, saying he's a lead, but until I see it, so I'm picking Burns by finish on the second round.
0: I think... um... I don't, I, I don't know. I think it may be... Um, I think, it, for me, um, what will be more impressive... I, I know a lot of people are banking on Shumayev to kind of run over him. I wouldn't bet on that entirely, but if it does happen, that is impressive, yes or no. But would be even more impressive to me is if I got to see a lot from Shemaev and he can handle burns.
1: Yeah, all I want from this fight is that they actually fight and it's not like just uh, another Shumayev showcase. I mean... Yeah. I mean, if he wins if he wins it with highly real knockout or submission or whatever, it's, it's still amazing. obviously obviously amazing, yes. But I would like to see more.
0: Yep. So, I, I'm a little torn tur- just because I have so little data here. Um, mm-hmm. Fenyo took the chance with Burns. I will take a chance with Shemaev and say he finishes Burns in the second. But I, I think this is one of those we just don't know. But it's definitely a must-watch part of this card. So moving on Okay So it's the return Of the legitimate bantamweight UFC belt uh, Aljamain Sterling the quote champion Versus the quote interim champion Piotr Jan Um, We did some commentary about This fight, the first fight And Jan's following fight with Sandhagen um, About a week and a half ago I think And I think I think everyone since the first fight happened has been saying this fight should be, this fight is Jan's fight to lose. I don't think that's 100% true because he still needs to be on fucking point against Jermaine Sterling, who is one of the best fighters in MMA, but if he basically is Pyotr Jan, as he has been in the last like two or three fights, then this will be a very, very hard fight for Jermaine to win. Um, And Although Sterling had fantastic ideas at the start of the first fight, he's going to have to allocate some things around to probably have more success. Otherwise, this is going to go the way the first fight did.
1: Yeah, I mean, the I think the, the burden is on a Sterling to make adjustments. Yeah. I think he had a very good idea of how to approach Jan on the first fight, but I think he, he just went too hard at it. I think he was nervous. I think he was panicking down the line um sterling had the right idea of pairing the strikes and putting the pressure on jan immediately i think he banked too hard on the wrestling and ended up uh, tiring super hard and jan is and also jan like winning the wrestling scrambles did a number on his confidence but but still i mean sterling has has a staff um has a base to work on mm-hmm. and that's a, interesting
0: it's a stellar performance from both guys um I'm um, really, Joe started with the right ideas. Like, okay, in order to really draw Jan's, like, early defensive responses, I need to really, like, force the mix-ups. And he had a lot of great ideas, like, tying hand traps together with kicks to force him back into the fence, to takedowns, or to, like, surprise knees, which were a fantastic idea, especially. I do think going for more, like, Weidman-esque, like, faking... St- off takedowns is probably a good idea to go here and not force those wrestling exchanges, though he does he's gonna maybe risk the clinch a little too much and that's a danger zone. Um, at the very least, um, it he has he had great ideas. It's just the problem is he always had to work so hard for those ideas, and the moment he stopped, Jan always punished him immediately, and then Jan who builds his effectiveness as the fight goes on started really, really messing with him and and began shutting him down and making him work harder for anything. And so by by the end Sterling was just trying and trying, but Jan was just doing and doing the more effective things. So it's it's a very hard fight for Sterling. Um and the question is, do we trust Ray Longo and Matt Serra's camp to really be that? Or are they still the same camp who kind of like pushed Chris Weidman kind of off a cliff, even though, like, they gave Weidman great mechanical process and definitely gave, like, Sterling good process. Like, who knows how good they are with, like, those technical adjustment side. And I think that's the big, big question for Aljo here, because it's like, we know how fight one went. It may just end up being the same fight again, except Jan doesn't go through for stupid DQ. Aljo may come with the right ideas. It still may not be enough, because Jan proved against sandhagen and aldo even if you do have all those ideas together he'll still find some ways to handle you or at least make it insanely competitive so yeah it's just i, I think like I, I think everyone kind of gets how this fight is at this point
1: yeah one thing that i i want to add is that sterling has to define a, a a balance because he cannot dial the volume uh, down so hard that it will allow Jan to just do whatever he wants, but also needs to not tire himself. I, and I think that's the hardest part about trusting Sterling in the rematch. Obviously, he has um, he has things to do here. He could find success. Uh, he could even like hurt Jan on the feet because he was finding like, big knees and stuff. Uh, the high kicks, and, and obviously Sterling is always dangerous in a scramble, but but yeah, as you said, like, it's hard to, to see Sterling, like, finding the Mike formula after how the first fight went, I'm going with, I'm going with Jan, with a third round knockout this time, legit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm gonna add a few other things just to extrapolate, so... So a, a lot so the one issue with Sterling committing entirely to a striking game in this fight and why it's important he still mixes in those takedown or grappling threats is because no matter what he is mechanically not going to be Piotrion's better on the feet and although he his jank does work to his success a lot of his it is is extenuated by his ability to get those dangerous grappling submissions and without that then his um, danger on the feet gets a lot more predictable. And in that first fight, he kind of... One of his things was, okay, I'm going to keep going for these spinning shots, and Jan would take his back and then try to hit that kick off the break that he killed Faber with. Or he would just step in and just clinch with Sterling and knee him in the gut for it. or And so it's like... it's It's very tough. It's going to be a very, very, very hard fight for Sterling to find that balancing act, like Fenyo said. And Jan, we don't know how Jan's going to enter this fight entirely either. He may just double down on the things he did right. Or he may just recognize, okay, I can, I can, I know you're going to be targeting with kicks again. You're going to be pushing a high pace. You might throw a knee at me. I'll tighten up some of my defensive footwork and pivots. Or I might start a little faster early and like tearing you down to the body. Or I might just, like, throw some counters back, or I can just do the same thing. I don't know. And that's that's what's really scary about this fight, because Aljo has to fight, like, a near-perfect fight to win, and Jan basically doesn't have to do much else, and you don't know what Jan's going to do, so...
1: Yeah, even, even like, near-perfect might not be enough. That's yeah, the craziest thing.
0: It, it, that's the craziest thing, because Jermaine Sterling is one of the 10 best fighters in MMA right now, period period and it's still like Pyotr Yon is just that hard of a matchup for him so and Jan may well either be the best or like at minimum third best fighter in the world so it's it's a nightmare and so yeah Jan by third or fourth finish I think is just the safest thing here I don't think I think we've covered this
1: yeah for sure okay so let's move let's move on to the main event mm-hmm. the
0: main event uh, featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky defends against Chan Sung Jung, and I, I am once again very confused why it's not Max Holloway, but who gives a fuck? Um, so Alex Volkanovsky, um, I think the best way to look at Volkanovsky is he's an incredibly systemic fighter who has evolved his game through systems of mix-ups and feints, and he's the best in MMA at basically giving you death by one thousand different reads, He's in cohesion with each other. He's excellent strategically and strong adaptively. He's not like a gr- huge like big picture adapter, but like the little responses needed to create those new systems. He's brilliant at that. Um, and with TKZ, the Korean zombie Jung. It's kind of like he's, he's still kind of meeting a question he's already kind of answered with Ortega. The only difference is Jung might offer more like open space wrestling questions, but lesser depth and danger on the feet. So this, this is a hard fight for Jung, really, on paper, unless Henry Cejudo has some weird magic trick preparation that people don't know about.
1: Yeah, um, I didn't know about. That. I mean, I knew. I mean, not long ago that Zombie was training with Cudo, but yeah, I mean, we saw Zombie um, struggle with Ortega doing like an outside fire thing, and I mean, it's pretty obvious that Volkanovski is more comfortable doing that same thing. I mean, Volkanovski is so so flexible, but. He has looked like a very decent out fighter against Holloway when Holloway decides to pressure. Mm-hmm. Um he has defense, he has uh he has safe entries. Um uh, The thing is that uh a zombie always has, like, the the cross counter at the uppercut early on because he's super sharp out of I'll, the gate. I'll
0: also add the check hook that he showed against Igor oh, yeah. quite a bit. Oh,
1: yeah, check, check hook So is, he is offered, good, too. So he
0: offers three <laughs> threats against a jab, and Volkanovsky is a pretty prolific jabber. The problem with Jung is that Jung is kind of a counterpuncher, and he doesn't put a lot of data out there, feints on the lead. He's kind of reactive. And the th- and what's like one oh one with dealing with counter punchers? Well, you give them a lot of information, and who is going to give you more information than Volkanovski to the point that it causes an overload?
1: Yeah. So that's also also zombies good that countering kicks. I mean, I mean Ortega frustrated him a lot with kicks because he was moving a lot, but Volkanovski's n- is it's not like he never throws a naked kick here and there. Mm-hmm. And and zombies is very long and sneaky powerful.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, although Volkanovsky can be countered, like because the pocket is still his one like main weak point. Extended exchanges, he's very good at navigating those, and you have to work to get those. Like you have to constantly put things out there back at him, him in order to set those moments up, and he'll still sometimes find a way around it. On it, just incremental, like, little adjustments or mix-up, soft the hand traps, frames, etc. And so, it's like, um, like, with the thing with Ortega is, like, basically the thing is always, like, although Ortega could offer those counter-threats enough that Volkanovsky had to mind his P's and Q's, and I'm sure Junk can kind of do the same, just not as deep, deep or as quickly, um, the ring craft is still going to be a problem for Jung here, because... Yeah. Jung, Jung in many ways, um, is still very plodding, and is very heavy on that lead leg. He, and although he has, like, good reads for attacking jabs, his footwork is a mess because he'll default to throwing hooks. Footwork
1: like, always falls apart when he tries to lead. He yeah. can never like, bump a, a double jab without, like, crossing his feet. So, and, and, that, that's going to be a problem if Volkanovski moves on the outside.
0: Yeah, and it's like... The the thing is, like, Ige kind of had success by just kind of staying in his face a little bit with some feints. And, like, I, I do like the idea that Jung likes to go for takedowns off kicks. That might be a good idea against Volkanovski here. But it's also just... Jung is not a particularly active, like, leader. And not a good leader whatsoever. So... So Volkanovsky, honestly, might just play at risk mitigating, like, outside threat with some modification of pressure. But I, I think Jung isn't going to offer a lot of the same dangers that Ortega did outside of that, like, takedown threat. But He doesn't
1: have the... I mean, Sung is more... probably more dangerous, like, in the opening of the fight. But he doesn't have the adaptability... Or Tele has no. and no. the dynamism. Like if you see like uh, Zombies fight, he either like like finish early or he finds a way to to win like a convincing decision. Um, I don't th- uh, I don't think the second one it's going to happen at all against Volkanovski.
0: Yeah, because you aren't gonna beat beat Volkanovski without some like major optical advantage in a round. So. And you aren't going to easily get that because he barely concedes anything and without some resistance. Um, so th- this is just like, it- it's again, it's kind of some variation of a question he already answered. So I-, I don't really see much of a need to talk about it, but we do get to watch one of the three best fighters in the world, if not the best fighter in the world, Volkanovsky. He work and you know what? That That's always fun. And TKZ is always weirdly entertaining.
1: Yeah, getting to watch both Bolkanovsky and Yan, it's always going to be a treat.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Whether or not you're like that guy's better than this guy, who cares? It's the two best guys in the world, at least yeah for the sure. skill, skill side, you know, front. So that that's they'll they'll probably win their title fights this weekend. But you get to watch them against joe's Still a very good fighter, and like. TKZ is still dangerous enough that Volk can't approach it too lightly. So Volkanovsky by decision, maybe late finish.
1: Um, yeah, I'm going Volkanovsky by decision. Like Zombie's very durable and unsurprisingly good cardio for uh-huh. a guy that fights like he does. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, fights to watch out for. Um. I mean, obviously, top three are the thing. Um, Michelle Madsen is gonna be. Michelle mine. Madsen is like the sneaky one, here. And Gary, do not miss. Do okay. not miss Julio Arce in the opening because he's very good.
0: Yes. Um. Yeah, I, I think those are the main ones. Ian Gary's fight might be worth watching because, hey, he might be better than we expected.
1: <laughs> and Taibura might get like a decent fight out of Royston Strike, so, right. so so there's that too.
0: Don't bet on it. Please, please, send your prayers to Tabora, but don't bet it. On might it. happen. It, it might happen. It might happen. Who knows? Um, yeah, I think that covers 273 overall. Um, well, it could be worse, but most of this is, again, summed up as, why are most of these people here? But, hey, at least we'll all have fun and ha- have some cool questions towards the end of the night, right? Right? So, yeah. He, he died. Right. Right? <laughs> okay uh remember guys he's sick and i'm very sad um all right i got nothing else to say hope you all enjoyed listening uh anything to plug or whatever that we can think of
1: i mean if you have time we'll just watch the alternate commentary for the for the volkanovsky and the yan fights that we did
0: yeah we Um, we definitely go into greater detail about both guys games and those especially i think yans um um, but we also point out the success like the opponents had as well like although i i like the ortega fight is either considered an all-time great fight or people kind of under hey ortega's successes but we do give attention to it same with the aljo fight um for Jan. so i, I would recommend listening to those cuz they're good listenings and if you want video hey you can subscribe to our patreon minimum of $3 um and hey you could join a discord where in shit posts with the rest of us or just talk shit or whatever. I don't know. Um, and then helps raise funds to support Fenyo from whatever affliction he has.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty much I'm going to die if you guys That's not subscribe to our page.
0: That's true. Fenyo's going to die, which means this podcast dies, which means I will no longer be able to watch really, really bad fighters that I don't care about. <laughs> but I also n- would have never discovered Vince Pichel this way. And I just want you all to know that would have been devastating. Anyhow, um, I got nothing else to plug. If Volk and Yon have some interesting things, I might try to find time to write about them. Don't bet on it, though. currently schedules hell. But otherwise, we have some alternative commentary. Um, Thank you all, as usual, for listening and your support. And we will see you all in hell. Bye.